Good morning. It's Sunday, January the 24th, and snowy and overcast here, but the snow lets us know it was warmer than it was yesterday, so that's a good thing. I hope you're enjoying a nice evening, or you're here with us right now, or you'll watch this sometime today. There's a lot going on at Blue Lotus, so you can keep yourself busy just following schedules. Yesterday I got to, I think, three of the things I wanted to get to. Uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi is doing longer uh, meditations in the morning. He's on a personal retreat. And what he is doing is sharing a meditation time, which is almost like a half-day retreat every Saturday. And I was really eager to do that and then had so many other things listening to Amanda Garcia at the People in Need Forum, which was all done virtually and really well uh, carried out. And Amanda's in our Sangha at Blue Lotus and works with uh, immigration detention. She's an attorney and works now. She's doing a lot of education for people who might be in danger of being detained or the uh, communities most involved. And, and it was, she did a beautiful uh, outline of kind of the process of how people can, why people can be detained and some of the issues around uh, detaining. So that was great. And then we had... Uh, Bhante San was at Blue Lotus Temple and did a wonderful talk. And what did I have after that? I had some another class after that, so uh, it was good. It's been a little quiet after the holidays, but it's okay to have a busy, a busy Dhamma day where you have to make make choices and can't have it all. So. Uh, what I wanted to do today, I know there's, uh, I know Bhante Sujata has a program uh, later this morning, and then Bhante Bhadia has a, uh, it's not the Sutta study this time, it's the Dhammapada. So that class has had its time shifted. It's a little late, later this morning, but you still have time to get a free Eventbrite ticket if you want to be in the Dhammapada class. So we're going through, we're, we're studying the Dhammapada starting, we've, starting with, uh, you know, number one. And I think we've had about four classes now. I think, not that many. It's just once a month. So this may be our third class. So what I wanted to do today was just to mention to all of you, a one, this is one of my favorite books. It's just, an incredible book, and it's called Awareness Alone is Not Enough, and it is by Tejaniya, who was a famous Tibetan teacher, Ashin Tejaniya, and I'm trying to, he, yeah. You know, there's not much written about him, but he's got quite a quite a background. And the book is written as a question and answer book. He might be 
He might be a Burmese. I don't want to misspeak when I say that he's that he's Thai. So this book, Awareness Alone, is not enough. He's talking about mindfulness practice. Mindfulness practice is not just about being aware, <clears throat> not just about being present in the world, but also having... I'll read what he says at the, in the introduction. Awareness alone is not enough. Having a desire to really understand what is going on is much more important than just trying to be aware. We practice mindfulness meditation because we want to understand. And the book goes through, um, it's a question and answer format. So a student asks a question and then he is, then he gives a long, well, a long answer and explains the topic thoroughly. And when I started earmarking things earlier this morning and, and I realized I have so many mark, <laughs> I have so many bookmarks and beautiful envelopes that I've collected sticking out of the book that if I open it, they all fall out. So, um, what he does talk about, he goes through the, the Eightfold Path, and he also talks about the uh, Ten Perfections. And I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about putting a class together on the precepts, and the and in, and in, at Blue Lotus we do the five precepts. And uh, Tejania recommends that for serious practice, the eight precepts are the ones that, as a lay person, he he uh, thinks are the are so important. And we do those eight precepts. We call them lifetime precepts um, at Blue Lotus. So that's it's not uh, the same as the eight precepts people take in Asian cultures on the days they go to temple, but it's the five precepts, and then we add the extra precepts about speech. The, the uh, precepts on speech become more, more uh, discriminating. So we go from not telling lies in the five basic precepts, and in the eight we add uh, not to be, not to gossip, and not to be uh, uh, aggressive with our speech and not to be malicious, doing harm. And those are the ones he recommends that are, that the, adding the ones about speech are really important. So I've been wanting to teach that class because usually every year we have a precept ceremony in the fall. And with COVID, we haven't done a lot of those kind of cyclical things that we do. But I would like to start a, a, a class it would be a it would be a sign up class um, going through the precepts and we so we take at blue lotus the five basic ones all buddhist will take and the eight which simply adds rights more about right speech and then the 10 that we also take can be the um, they're the 10 perfections and these are the 10 qualities that the buddha they were the final qualities that he completely developed before he became the the uh, the Buddha. He he was still uh, 
he was still a bodhisattva until he took until he completely developed these ten qualities. And so when someone takes the ten perfections on as a, a form of uh, precepts, they're qualities that we're, you're dedicating yourself to develop. And uh, this book has beautiful discussions about that. And so that's one of the reasons I pulled it out. But it, it is just it's just a favorite book of mine. Very easy to understand. I'll read you just a short piece, one of the things. Okay. This is, I'll read just a cup. This is the, the, the print's very big in this book, so wow. It, everything I look at is, is love, is beautiful to read. So the student asks the question, this is on developing right view. I can see my wrong views more and more often, but I still need to keep making an effort to bring in right views. Why do right views not come spontaneously? The teacher says, there are different levels of right view. In the beginning, when we don't really understand right view, it is borrowed wisdom. This means that we need to apply the appropriate information intellectually to help us in a particular situation. After doing this repeatedly over a long period of time, the mind will remember the right view more and more easily, and eventually it will understand the truth of it. Once the mind really understands the truth of that right view, it becomes your own wisdom. Then you won't have to try to recall the right view anymore. The mind will automatically see the situation with the right view. That's such a simple and such a wonderful uh, answer to that question. The next Part is delusion is lack of wisdom. So we always talk about the three poisons in Buddhism, and it's what all of this samsara we're going through constantly is based on, and it's on greed and anger and and delusion or ignorance. So those are the three main things that hold us down, that keep us from from uh, from growing beyond the limitations of the of the world. That's outside. Delusion is a lack of wisdom. So the question is, in a sense, I know that delusion, the Pali word is moha, moha. In a sense, I know that delusion, moha, is all, is there all the time. It seems to pervade everything. On the other hand, I cannot help wondering how a deluded mind can recognize delusion? It's a great question. The teacher says, only when an insight arises can delusion be understood because insight is the opposite of delusion. Wisdom understands the natural characteristics of the object. Delusion covers up these natural characteristics of the object, but it does not cover up the object Perception recognizes the object. Delusion distorts perception. That's a very important point. Perception, in, when Buddhas, in Buddhism, when we talk about perception, it's not that clear, just 
seeing things the way they are. When we perceive something, along with it comes all of our um, viewpoints, our cultural perspective, our biases, everything. Even if we just look at them, looking out and watching birds eat sunflower seeds. But that perception is influenced by, uh, it's not just, there's a creature, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's not a clear perception. It's loaded with what I know about birds, what I know about, uh, you know, the, the season, what I know. It's, it's, and it might be, it could be, uh, a viewpoint too of, oh, I don't w- want those dirty birds out in my, out under the tree in front of my apartment. Or it could be, oh, those birds are problems. They poop all over everything and, you know, ruin the, ruin my view of nature. So, uh, what we think are perceptions are often just exactly what he said. Um, I want to read this sentence. Delusion covers up these natural characteristics of the object, but it does not cover up the object. Perception recognizes the object. Delusion distorts that perception. So the student says, maybe this is a sense of delusion I have, this veil between me and reality, so to speak. Teacher, yes, that's why you say it pervades everything. In moments of insights, this veil suddenly drops for a very short time. Therefore, unless we strive to have as much understanding as we can, delusion will cover things up all the time. And the student says, could you give a definition of delusion? Teacher, delusion isn't complete ignorance. Delusion is not knowing the truth of what is. It is the lack of wisdom. Student, why is delusion so strong? Why is there so little wisdom? The teacher, because delusion wants to remain deluded and because we have been practicing practicing, in quotes, delusion for eons. Wow. So that's all I'm going to read today. I just want to keep reading. I I know what I'll probably be doing most of the day today. Uh, This is, I don't, I don't even remember where I got this book, but it's Ashin Tejaniya. And, um, he is a very well-known teacher. And I'll find, I'll remember where he's from. I'll get more information, but I just remember what a, ah, I, I saw him, I think I saw a talk of his or someone else told me about him when I was in California and uh, how I, how I got the book, I can't remember. So, um, I'd like to bring in some of the Ten Perfections, and they're in this book and his talks. So that was covering right view, a little bit of it. There, there's a lot more. But um, I think he, he will bring in some different points of view, same topic, same, same concepts, but a different way of talking about some of, some of the Ten Perfections that would be really valuable for us to look at. So 
Um, hopefully that was helpful for you. And I think a lot of these, I think a lot from this book will be good if you're, if you're practicing meditation or you're a student of the Buddhist teachings. He, the, the answers he gives to a lot of these questions, they're so simple and they make such good sense. They're from a place of deep wisdom that they're, they're good answers to have if you have loved ones or friends or, uh, colleagues who ask you a lot of questions about, well, what a, why are you a Buddhist and why do you meditate? And sometimes it's hard to give a, a short, clear, concise answer. And I think some of his answers are just uh, wonderful to give, to give something. If you agree with what he's saying, they, it's like, oh yeah, people, can under, people could understand this. This is what everybody wants. And if that's what you've experienced in your meditation, then you'll really welcome You'll see him as a, a really good friend to help you be able to uh, explain your practice. And don't take his don't take his word. Make sure it's what you've ex- you're experiencing as well. So I'm not going to I'm not going to run over today because I know Bante Sujata has a coffee with Bante coming up soon probably right after I stop, but he's on, I was worried about that, but he's on Zoom, so I can, I can monopolize Facebook. <laughs> um, hopefully, I just want to s- just shoot out some rays of hope. I hope everyone is doing, doing well. I hope you feel safe, and uh, I hope you're practicing every day. So I'd like to just, um, do a little bit of practice with you, but it's just really the beginning of practice. So we have about seven minutes we can practice. And uh, it's, remember, it's just this, we're just getting started. But whatever you can do, oh, I see some, hi, Peter. I see, uh, yeah, I see new faces, but sometimes I'm not, not watching what's coming up at the bottom of the screen. Um, when we talk about our meditation practice, and Bhante San mentioned this in his talk yesterday, and it's always a good reminder, whatever we're doing when we're sitting and practicing, that's just training. That is just practice. You know, the real game, the real action is every minute of our daily lives, how we, how we see things, how we react to things, or how we're when we're when we don't have to be reactive to things outside of us, uh, how we treat other people, how we treat ourselves, these are the things that we can get that deeper understanding, have that deeper insight. Is often when we're practicing, when we're sitting, or doing walking meditation, or doing a more like a formal practice, but. Everything that we gain in meditation practice needs to be showing up in our daily lives. So that also means not just in we're going out and we're being a better person and treating other people better. It, it's also about realizing that uh, when we meditate, we begin not only to understand ourselves, but if we can really be with some of our uh, 
uh, negative feelings or the painful feelings, our meditation can help us often see that all we have to do to be able to let go of some of that pain, to let go of some of that uh, those bad feelings we carry around with us, like anxiety and fear, sometimes all we have to really do is to be able to see them and realize Does it feel good? Is it helping me? Is it of any value? Um, And if we can really look at it clearly, sometimes that's all we need to just let it go. If you see it's it's just something that frightens you or keeps you uh, too closed up, keeps your heart closed, and it's painful, And we can realize that, and then we can drop it because we've looked at it closely and realize it's not, it's not of value other than to, uh, to tighten us up and hold us in and keep us from really seeing life as it is. So it's not protecting us. It's not helping anybody else. It's not, it's not making life easier for ourselves or anybody else. And sometimes it's in that that silence that we can be with, that we can really experience that that wake-up call. And we can't avoid these harmful, painful feelings because as long as we do, we won't be able to work with them. And working with them is sometimes just, "Ah, I see you clearly, I understand where you came from, maybe, maybe not. But now I'm ready to let you go. And we can do that when we're practicing uh, and being with that quiet and learning to understand ourselves. So I'm just going to end. Um, I'd like to really, if you want to sit, close your eyes and just begin to relax into that posture that allows us to be awake and open to what's going on, let some of the, just try to let some of the thoughts, don't try to control them or stop them, but just let them flow through your mind without needing to pay attention to them or feeding them with that attention. Just be aware. So close your eyes if you can and just be aware of your body, that we're in our bodies. Our bodies are part of us that we carry around for a certain number of years, and it's always changing. It's always a different body at a different time in our lives. So don't become too attached to it. (laughs) It's, It's just like a little child. It grows and it changes and we don't recognize it, but sometimes we want to cling on to it, right? To the good years, the perfect years. But when we practice, we can be be more aware of our bodies. Because it's where it's what it's our home for this lifetime, but it's a it's a constantly changing home. It's not the same house. We're always on the move. 
Be aware of the body breathing. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, May I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll be back on Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs>